Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And I am Jay Kyle Mann of The Dime Drop, and uh, you'll see my stuff also on The Ringer. And together we're here every day, Monday through Friday, talking to cats. Today's episode is brought to you by Grassroots Pharmacy, and we'll tell you a little bit more about them in just a bit. But first, we're going to jump into today's episode where we're going to cover a huge transfer for Kentucky football. Uh, Kyle's thoughts on brand bias that's still kind of working against the cats, but maybe not as much as it used to. Uh, and finally, a massive prediction uh that is uh, leaning Kentucky's way in the basketball recruiting world. But uh, first things first, Kyle, uh, we recorded our episode relatively late last night, but not late enough. Uh, Curtis and I sometimes would do this thing at like 10, 11 o'clock just so we could feel safe (laughs) that uh, all the news was out for the day. And I guess we, you know, summer night, we wouldn't have thought we were going to miss something big, but we did. Uh, We, we finished recording and not long after that, um, an LSU cornerback who played a bunch as a true freshman last year, Kelvin Joseph, who was a top 50 recruit overall nationally. Um, 40 seconds by 247 is what I'm seeing. Yeah, in the composite. So that's, yeah. yeah, that's basically across the board. I think the, the lowest he was ranked was 55th by rival. So a consensus. Just despicable and, and embarrassing. 50th. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, how, how far off can you be, guys? Stoops uh, is sliding, man. He's already sliding. He's already falling <laughs> into And these guys feel pressured to leave. You know, it's. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. This one and done culture is just not going to cut it anymore. Uh, but uh, this is a pretty big deal. Um, he was, you know, it's not a guy that I, I don't get the sense that was overrated. I don't know why it didn't work out for him there, but he played. In 11 games, I think he had 11 or 12 tackles uh, as a true freshman at LSU where they have plenty of talent, uh, you know, that's that's not freshmen. So, um, one, that's big news. But, two, it also underscores, I think, you know, maybe they'll apply for some kind of waiver. There are people, I think, hopeful that he can help them in a secondary that needs help this year. Maybe that's possible. I think they're probably uh, planning to have him sit out. But – that means they're going to be absolutely loaded next year on defense. By my count, I went through, we can break this down a little further, but they're looking at potentially 14 or 15, maybe 16 guys just on defense next year who were four and five star recruits. It's incredible. That is incredible. That's, that's never, never happened at Kentucky. I don't, I don't think never would have thought I would have seen the day to be honest, because, you know, back in the day it was the situation where it was like Kentucky would get a four star. If it was a, a local kid, you know, they always had to kind of have that sort of that extra variable that gave them an inside track, you know, and it's, and I, you know, like Dennis Johnson, I don't know if you remember him. I forget if yeah. he was from like Harrodsburg or Lawrenceburg, one of those Bergs, but uh, yeah. And, and just to, just to think that they could, it's, but it's still I was thinking about this Kentucky still is kind of playing in these margins where they you know they're going to take someone we we've talked a lot about how like Lim Bowden was this guy who people weren't sure about but uh so you know Kentucky what well, I don't I forget what the scholarship offer situation was with Lynn but he had uh, some good offers but he was from you know right there in Ohio and Ohio State didn't didn't come in until the very very end yeah, um, a, a kid with questions and it's the kind of guy that like Kentucky's like, sure, we'll take that bet, and uh, you know, and it, sure, we'll take this transfer from LSU. But from what my like sort of dusting over the situation, from what I could 
from what I could tell was just that, you know, he had gotten in trouble right before LSU's bowl game, which I believe, which was against uh, UCF this past, this past yep. year. And, uh, Got in the doghouse, and from what people were saying, you know, um, for his player development, or you know, how quick I assume he wants to get out of college as quickly as possible. Uh, he, you know, instead of like serving whatever the suspension was, wanted to just start over. You know, we don't have all the details, but from what I could gather, that's uh, he wants to do that fresh start at UK. It's it's not a bad bet to make, you know, unless the guy's done something terrible. I think if you're when you're Kentucky. If you can get a guy that maybe you couldn't get straight out of high school, the, the, the caliber of guy you couldn't get straight out of high school and he's got an issue and you offer him a second chance, maybe he walks that line because you offered him a second chance uh, and you upgrade your talent. You know, and, and they are still operating some in those margins, but not completely. I mean, in this 2020 class, the one they're working on right now, it looks like it's going to be Stoops' best class yet. They have Justin Rogers out of Detroit, who's a five-star kid, like mm-hmm. a top, you know, top thirty player in the country. Um, and and then they have two four-star defensive ends, one from Florida and one from Tennessee, one from right there in Knoxville. Uh, and so, um, you know, they're going into some places that they didn't. Now, last year, look at last year's class; they got two kids out of Louisville, so there's a connection there. Four-star kids, Weaver and Casey. And then, you know, the legacy player, four-star kid, uh, Moses Douglas. So there, it's a little bit of both. When you're Kentucky, you're not just going to always go head-to-head with Alabama and LSU on high school, top high school kids and get them. Right. Uh, but you can, you know, you can get maybe the the next tier of guys in Ohio that Ohio State doesn't want, and you beat out Michigan State and Penn State for those guys because they want to play in the SEC, and you're right there. Uh, but they've done a really nice job of upgrading the talent. It seems like this year is kind of launching it. You know, maybe this is the bump of the 10-win season. You know, you look at their high school recruiting class, it's going to be a top, maybe top 20, maybe top 15 class. Um, and then when you add a, a high, high-level transfer like this, and I should also note that – uh, Kelvin Joseph was tweeting last night with Manny Netherly, who was another four-star defensive back at LSU, who has just entered the transfer portal. So you get him, and then you majorly, majorly upgrade your secondary next season. Um, but, it, you know, it's crazy to look at this. I mean, this year, uh, and, they, and we think about how good they were last year on defense, and they lost a lot, obviously. But even this year, there are – uh, nine guys in the two deep on defense that were former four-star recruits. And like I said, next year they could have 14 or 15 guys on the roster, just on the defensive roster, maybe 16 who yeah. are four yeah. five-star recruits. And that's scattered across a bunch of classes, you know, the 2017 class, uh, Tyrell Ajon, Ajon, I don't know how you say uh-huh. his name. Uh, yeah. He's going to be potentially starting this year. Josh Pascal, everybody knows his story. Yusef Corker, those guys are all in the 2017 class. All-time Chris name, Yusef Corker. That's just that's a, one of the better names. <laughs> that's a great it's a great name for a guy coming out of the secondary. I, I you know, I, yeah. I, I love the idea of him playing safety and, and lighting people up. Getting Corker. Corker. Yeah. Corker of across, across the middle. Yeah. Um, but this I, <laughs> It, it, it just sort of um, highlights it, to me the, the, the building of a program. Right? Yeah, well, I was yeah. going to say, it, it, I think I, you feel like you're starting to get the residual checks from 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 the the player development, and it's like Stoops already kind of had that pedigree with other coaches. You feel like because he'd coached some great backs, but you know, with young younger people, 
they don't remember that stuff. Like the cycle is really quickly, and you notice this once you get into your thirties. It's like, well, yeah, John, it feels like John Wall played yesterday to me and yeah. to you, but to these high school kids, you know, your your focus is pretty narrow, and uh, it's definitely what have you done for me lately. So in the past couple years, you know, some of these Kentucky, some of these, you know, recruits coming out of high school are going to start seeing this and thinking, hey, maybe you know, it's it's going to be like a legitimization, basically, uh, you know. So, yeah. You know, Calipari talks about it all the time. Like, you know, the kids I'm recruiting, they remember like no further back than like three years. You know, if, if you're trying to like sell them on guys you coached like 10 years ago, forget about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that you're right. Like if you take it, if you take his resume as a whole, if you're really doing your deep research, like everywhere he's gone, Stoops has developed guys. He coached the greatest secondary in the history of college football at Miami. It was unbelievable i've talked about it a million times but uh, every time i look back at that roster in the early 2000s at miami ed reed sean taylor like all these ridiculous guys i think there were nine guys that were uh nfl draft picks like high nfl draft picks out of that secondary um and then at florida state he took guys not just high level recruits but bjorn warner was like a three-star recruit who became a first round pick and now he kind of has that in Josh Allen. I mean, even more so when you turn a, a two-star kid with with a Monmouth offer and that's it into a top ten pick in the NFL, you've got some real credibility again. Uh, and then you know to have five guys drafted, that's a that's a a normal SEC level haul of draft picks and six other guys signed free agent deals. That for sure, I think when you say, okay, well, this is what we did with guys that aren't as highly rated as you. What could we do with you? Yeah. So that's uh, a pretty big sell. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, are you ready for the, uh, I guess that brings us to our first break, I believe. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to do my first live ad read. So let's see how we do on this. Here we go. So this, uh, this episode is brought to you by Grassroots Pharmacy. I visited this place for the first time the other day. Uh, it's a locally owned independent pharmacy looking to change your idea of what a pharmacy is supposed to be. They place a strong focus on nutrition, supplementation, and alternative therapy therapies like CBD oil. Now, I know, Kyle, you can attest personally to you know, the, the value of that sort of the value of your family's well-being and sort of the impact on the, the holistic impact of your, your well-being. Uh, it just trickles all across the board. Can you speak to that at all? Oh, absolutely. We, it's our, it's our local pharmacy. We, uh, we're there just about every week. A lot of people know my wife's had a lot of health issues. I had kids that, uh, had an ear infection about every other week. And when we first took them to daycare, so, uh, we got to know them on a, Pretty well, uh, pretty well on a first name basis. They're always uh, ready to help. Uh, if they're not, um, you know, if they're if there's something they can't get you right then, they they uh, they find a way to get it for you as soon as they can. Um, the CBD oil we use, uh, Wild Health is one they carry. We actually have a promo code for people listening, Kyle ten. If you give that to them, they will honor it there in the store for ten percent off. Um, they have a sleep formula that has helped my wife sleep like a baby, which is great. Uh, she needs all the rest she can get. And, uh, and I would just say that Lindsay and his wife, uh, Shelly, they're a husband and wife team there of pharmacists, and they are very fine people and very good at what they do, and they will take care of all your pharmacy needs, whether it be a prescription or they can guide you to something, like you said, holistic. You, you make you a smoothie there at their smoothie bar. Um, it's, it's really a one-stop shop. 
Right. And yep. they accept most insurance plans, in, including Medicare. Uh, and they are at 2304 Sir Barton Way in Hamburg Pavilion. Uh, and that is located at the four-way stop next to Best Buy and on the parking lot side where Regal Cinema is. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m. Saturday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Grassrootspharmacy.com. So check them out. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, you, you mentioned this to me. Uh, that you kind of wanted to weigh in on the uh, some th- some thoughts on the brand bias uh, of Kentucky football. You think it's still they're still sort of battling the idea that from the outside, probably I guess that. Uh, well, I, I wanted can- to say something before we got going here, though. We we forgot to mention that it was your birthday yesterday. Oh, it, it was and my thirty eighth birthday. I'm old. You really but, are uh, old and soft. I like to always soft. just kind of comment on how soft you are. Coming. What was the tweet that you did that was like? Uh, <laughs> Somebody said was well, is one of those things. Oh my that, god! The uh, most hallmark sappy ass. Uh, was, what was like the nicest thing somebody's done for you? And I said, my parents. <laughs> god. My parents. Uh, they were teen parents when I was born, and they uh, they had a lot of options that uh, could have ended badly for me. Uh, and uh, they took the the road less traveled and did did it the hard way, and so I was thankful for to them for that. That's not, I mean, what what more can you do in terms of nicest things anybody's ever done than uh, be sixteen and eighteen year old parents and just take great care of your don't your rationalize it your and make life. me feel bad. No, you should I want to make bad. fun of you. That's not soft. That's that's having a heart. You, you're like a a stone hearted. I really am uh, not. I'm, I'm I, not. I rather wonder if you're a serial killer. <laughs> No, not yet. No, I've been watching Mindhunter and taking notes, though, right? I'm just kidding. God, it's such a great serious. show. It is a great show. Um, but, yeah, Kyle is soft, and he has lost uh, all of his edge. His edge is gone. It's been filed away, and it's rounded. <laughs> and he is just like a stone on the shore. You know, you pick up that stone, and it's perfectly Washed like, over, rounded, yes. And you can skip it, and that's what I do with Kyle's softness. I just skip it across the water and out of my sight. Spit it from my mouth. Anyway, so let's. Uh, <laughs> so we were talking about a brand bias. I was just thinking about this when I was touching base with all of the the national pundits who who weighed in on Kentucky's upcoming season, and I was just sort of like observing this tightrope between optimism and pessimism uh, that you have to walk between. Whenever you have a team full of unknowns, because I've been writing these NBA previews and it always kind of comes down to what do we know for sure we're getting? And, you know, it's like when you have returning players that you know what you're going to get from them, it's a little easier to make a a prediction and, and feel confident, you know, prognosticating a high win total with Kentucky this upcoming season, like we talked about last night. Don't they have a lot of unknowns? They have a lot of guys who are unproven. Uh, and, And I just find it interesting that. You know, with other schools, I don't feel like Kentucky is getting that benefit of the doubt. Now, in basketball, Kentucky gets it every year when they have unproven guys coming in, coming in, and in football, they just don't. And um, it just—it's uh, a fascinating thing to me. And I, I, you got to wonder at what point. You know, we're talking about the the new the recruiting boom that's been going on, the tide that is definitely turning. Uh, it's almost like a big like aircraft carrier sort of just slowly turning, you know, in the direction that they want to go. Um, but, I mean, do you still – are you observing any of that brand bias still? Do you, am I insane? What do you think about that? No, you're not insane. I think uh, – Curtis and I have actually talked about this a couple times. 
Um, I, I kind of look at South Carolina, which is a team can uh, coincidentally Kentucky has owned. You know, they've won five in a row and really changed that narrative. But um, when they had Spurrier and they were going to bowls every year, and then they had that huge leap where they went, I think three straight seasons they won eleven games, and they broke through. They snuck into a an SEC championship game one year. Um, that finally like changed the whole perception of them, and it's it's still going on. Like they've kind of been just blah ever since but every year people kind of think okay well south carolina is a football school now you know yeah. it, it, it changed the perception of them and and you'll see people when there's no necessarily strong reason to predict them to be a uh, an eight and four nine and three team that they, that is the prediction um and so i think you when you're a program like kentucky and maybe even more so for kentucky even than south carolina uh You've got to just you got to put it together like that. That's why I think this year could be so important. Um, you know, if they win eight games, I think everybody says, "Okay, this is for real." Like they're they're here to stay, and maybe they jump up next year. If they win nine or more uh, on the heels of that ten win season, I think that really makes everybody stand up and take notice. And and I think going into next year, you will see a ton of hype. Uh, yeah. I think for the brand shift that it it you're right like I think that there's sort of a, a floor like we were talking about with the schedule yesterday it's like there's a floor of what is going to be there sort of that that matrix scene where he says there are levels of survival we're willing to accept I think that's kind of what the season yes. is looking like but also I was thinking about it too that this carries I mean this is not a phenomenon that's exclusive to sports I was just thinking about you know whenever I walk into a store and I'm going to buy a product that I've never bought before, and I don't know what I'm buying. I know nothing about the market. I'm just looking at it all, and the I'm gonna. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm gonna tend towards the brand that I know. I'm like, well, I I kind of know. I have a history with this brand, and they've I've had you know I I know that I can depend on them. I can count on them, and even though there might be another one that's you know I don't give them the benefit of the of the doubt. Have you ever had that happen? I was trying to well, think of an example. Apple, I mean Apple. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Apple, yeah, Apple can sell us the, you know a new iPhone every year, and people eat it up. It's like oh well, we added one more thing that you didn't need at all, but you better you got to have this. Uh, and I, I can't say for sure that, that you know, Samsung or some of the, uh, these other phones aren't better, uh, yeah. you know, better phones, but I'm never going to not use Apple. And I know that I'm a sucker for that, but <laughs> there's a sexy but, factor, isn't there? There's a cool factor, you know, you, uh, all, all of that stuff. Um, like LSU, I see the LSU jersey and I'm just like, if I see a football team in an LS, in LSU jerseys, I'm just like, I'm like, they're probably, that's a bunch of a- handsome athletes. That's a right bunch there. of dudes who are super fast and nasty and you're going to knock your head off. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know. Psychology. Yeah. And it's why, you know, we almost actively, we, I say we, like in the media, like the, my, the joke that, that like Miami is back joke and the Texas is back jokes that people make, like we want the brands to be. Good because we have um, associated memories with those. Like okay, yeah. in my in my childhood, Texas was good, and I, they should be good. It's good for the game. Like why does it matter if Texas is good as long as somebody's really good? Right. But times uh, change. But, I was trying to think about like <laughs> actors. Like I was trying to think of uh, like actors that were good. We do this thing where it's like we we enjoy. Cal's complaint, not to bring everything to Cal, but Cal's 
talked about this where it's like we get excited and we love the, the roller coaster. We get hyped about somebody like Lil Nas X, for example. We're all excited about that. When he plummets inevitably and does something stupid, we're all going to be like, oh, wow, we're going to enjoy his fall and then we'll enjoy the comeback story. It's like because we just we want that. There's some kind of like narrative like hard wiring yes. thing that we want. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean like when, when, when Duke, you know, crashes and burns after Krzyzewski's done, people are going to love that, but they'll be equally as excited when Duke has a period of years where they stink and then they, they come back to life because that's a brand you, you've always followed, whether you hated them or loved them. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I mean, you talk about like benefit of the doubt for Kentucky, you're right. It is Kentucky basketball does get it every year, even though you have no idea what they're going to be. And you can almost bet that they are going to kind of struggle at the start because they're all new. Um, but the reason they get that benefit of the doubt is because by the end of every season, Calipari has proven that like literally nine out of 10 times yeah. <laughs> uh, now they're good enough to make a run, you know, um, even that, even that Euless Murray, I mean, we know the one time out of 10 where they weren't and when Nerlens gets hurt and they go to the NIT, but even the Euless Murray year, like if they draw anybody but Indiana, they make it out of, you know, they get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. So um, you just got to, I guess the point is you got to, you got to do it for some undetermined period of time. And I think it's different for everybody, mm-hmm. but based on expectation, like a, a team like Kentucky, I think if you go to a four straight bowl game this year, and especially if you can put a decent, like a, a relatively impressive number up eight wins say I think eight wins is the mark nine is for sure then people go whoa they did that even after they lost all that they really have built some and then when signing day comes around and you're you're actually one of those it schools on signing day instead of like the school that's like we got two four stars Woo-hoo! <laughs> yeah you're having a press conference for <laughs> you're having a press conference for Matt Elam, that kind of thing. No, yeah, no offense to like, Matt, but you know. No, but but you know, but when you've got when sign when you have that, and then you have signing day, and it's like oh, this is a legitimate class with double digit four star guys, and we're bringing in these transfers that were heavy, heavy, uh, heavily recruited guys. There's there's some like cachet that comes with that, and I think you then you start to get some maybe benefit of the doubt. All right, man. Let's get back to our bread and butter here: basketball. Let's talk about a real sport. <laughs> a sport uh, when men were men. When uh, you know. <laughs> you're going to make so many people angry. <laughs> we are just kidding. God a loves game football. of a game of grace and beauty and intelligence. <laughs> no, football is extremely complicated. Uh, oh my yeah. gosh, so much more complicated than basketball. Um, For sure. And so much more damaging to the human brain. Hey! <laughs> God. Uh, really right. questioning all my life decisions. There's pretty big. There's a pretty big prediction uh, that happened yesterday from a guy that is usually very plugged in and I know pretty well and, and respect his thoughts on things like this. Andrew Slater a uh, long-time guy, worked for 247 Sports. He's done some stuff for The Athletic. But he is super plugged into the grassroots basketball world. Uh, and people kind of take notice when he makes crystal ball predictions in the, the 247 Greek predictor machine. And he, yesterday morning, uh, Monday morning, logged a prediction for Terrence Clark to Kentucky. 
Uh, for folks who don't know, Terrence Clark is considered the number two or number three player, depending on which service you look at, in the class of 2021. Uh, but also, this is also significant because he has talked pretty openly about considering a uh, reclassification to 2020 and playing college basketball next year. Uh, he'll turn 18, I think, in a couple weeks, so he's of age. He wouldn't be one of these young, young guys trying to make the move. Um, I think Duke and Memphis are probably the primary competition. And uh, Terrence Clark is a freak. Yeah, right. Duke and D- It was always Duke. Now it's Duke and Memphis. But uh, 6'7", skinny kid, 190-ish pounds, uh, wing, shooting guard. I don't know what you'd call him necessarily. Um, he's a wing. But he's a, he's a super intriguing prospect. And I, I'm going to just let Kyle take it from here for a second and tell you what he's seen. Yeah, we're seeing anywhere from, you know, EYBL tends to kind of do a little bump in terms of measurements. Uh, you know, I'm seeing 6'6", 180, 6'7", 190. Uh, the important thing to know is if you're a Kentucky fan, you're wanting an idea of kind of what this guy's like. Um, it's a type of player that Cal hasn't had a ton of, and that's sort of the cat-like scoring wing you know he's had some versions of this he's had uh, if you wanted to make sort of a spectrum of it uh you wanted to put like the hyper athlete somebody like Hamadou Diallo um he's not in that stratosphere I wouldn't say but he's a good fluid athlete probably more approaching the range of like Archie Goodwin somewhere in there but I actually think he's more skilled than Archie Goodwin I'm sort of making a spectrum with my hands here moving uh, left to right moving towards somebody like Malik Monk now I don't think that he's got quite the same shooting prowess uh, he's 65% from the line in EYBL and 34% from three so you know I don't I don't consider him like a knockdown shooter and that's sort of one of the one of the areas of growth for him, but he averaged 17 points per game uh, this past season. A little bit of a note, though, is that he went, he did go one for 22 from three in the EYBL finals. Jam. Yeah, so yeah. Like four and a half. One <laughs> of 22. I have that in all capital letters in my notes here. So I think what, what people should expect, less of a pure shooter, more of a bucket getter type. I don't think so. I think that he is sort of like a more skilled Archie Goodwin, but he's a really bright kid. Uh, there's a lot of interviews out there. He's, you know, really thoughtful. Kind of reminded me of De'Aaron Fox a little bit in his just like loquaciousness, I guess would be the word. Like he's yeah. just very, very bright, very thoughtful. Uh, but he's, you know, he's sort of like, I would put him somewhere between, you know, he's bigger than Monk, more skilled than Archie. Uh, but Cal hasn't had a ton of these guys. It usually tends to be. You know, historically, and I've criticized Cal for this, he really enjoys uh, getting these sort of uh, DB type <laughs> type wings, you know, like like these guys right. that are just big, physical, uh, streaky, slinky, uh, rack attack kind of kind of wings. Uh, and he hasn't had a ton of really skilled uh, bucket getter wings. Yeah. And he's if you watch some of Terrence Clark's highlights, he's fun to watch out on the perimeter you know, shaking guys, freezing them in their sneakers and, and blowing by them and then doing really creative things uh, as he gets into the paint. Um, he's a, a fun finisher. He can he puts down some fun dunks, too. He can get, get way above the rim. Like you said, I'm not sure he's quite Hamadou Diallo, but he's he's very, very, very bouncy. Um, he visited for March Madness, uh, March Madness, uh, Big Blue Madness last fall, so he's been to Kentucky. I don't know, you know, what the – what the plan will be if he'll be back for madness this year or schedule an official visit. But um, just to kind of reset to where things are in this recruiting class, I've said 
for a few months now, I think this could end up being Cal's best recruiting class since that uh, since 2015. Um, you know, I think it does. In we will see the end of the streak where where Cal doesn't get a top five player for the last whatever it is four or five classes. I think they get one in this class. They already have a commitment from BJ Boston, a five star six six wing who's number eleven in the class, and four star Cameron Fletcher, another six six wing, number forty one in the class. We. I think you might be seeing a theme here. Cal likes to get six six wings. Um, they're also in great shape for for Josh Christopher, number nine in the class, a six five shooting guard, and Jalen Green, number three in the class, uh, a six five combo guard, and then a couple of power forwards, uh, Isaiah Todd, who's number ten in the class, and Lance Ware, number thirty five in the class. Two power forwards that I think they're in really really good shape with. I think probably lead for Lance Ware. So do you think if they land all those guys, you th- you think that that could be his best class since 2015? I was going to say well, I don't think it's anywhere near sniffing his best class, but no, 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 but no, but it, but I mean, if let's say Clark reclassifies and you have Terrence Clark, Josh Christopher, Jalen Green, that's three top ten players. Yeah, uh, quite that, the log you know, jam at wing too. Yeah, I think you could. I think you could play Jalen Green at point guard. That's one thing they're not probably going to sign a true point guard in this class. But I think they're probably selling Jalen Green on being able to play some. They may have Emmanuel quickly back, um, you know. But that you could sign that group, and that would be your starting backcourt. And then BJ Boston, who's a, a very, a very, very gifted scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they're probably going to end up going the grad transfer route to get a big man because you, you can tell in that group there's not a, any five, true fives, and I don't know that they're really on the board with any true fives. One other interesting note. Uh, according to a few people, Kentucky will be hosting Isaiah Jackson, a six-nine forward from Detroit. He's a five-star kid, number twenty-one in the class. He's uh, taking an official visit this weekend to Kentucky. Um, does not have an offer yet, but uh, be something to watch there. But yeah, I think I think this. I think if if you get Terrence Clark, Terrence Clark, Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, or even two of those three, Green is the guy. Green's the guy with the highest upside, and he's the guy that the NBA draft uh, nerds swoon about. I think he's he's the guy that if Cal probably if this class wants to take that bump, man, that 2015 class that's one of my favorite classes ever in the history of UK. I mean, you talk about Towns, Booker, Ulysses, Lyles. I well, that would have been the 20, I guess the 2014 class. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm I'm thinking of that. Were you talking about the freshmen that were on the 2015 team when you said that? Is that what you meant, or did you mean? Yes, the- yeah, okay. yeah. Because the 20, the actual 2015 signing class would have been uh, the 2016 team. So that would have been uh, Scal, the ill-fated Scal, <laughs> Scal Murray, uh, Jamal Murray. Yeah. So 2014 class, uh, and so this would be this is the 2020 class. So we're talking about six classes where you know he's had some really good groups in that time you know I, I think i think if you if you sort of forget rankings and even with rankings but just using your eyeballs the bam monk fox class was an unbelievable class great class yeah that's a group that was good enough to win a national title and and was very very close to having a chance to do that but yeah i think i think this is the this is the class that this has a chance to be the class that gets everybody to like calm down about whether Cal can still get it done at the at the highest highest level in terms of recruiting because I think they've really done early work on a bunch of these guys. Joel Justice has been chasing Jalen Green around the world like he did with uh, 
James Wiseman and, you know, in this case, I don't think any other competition can is planning to hire Jalen Green's yeah. high school coach. Yeah. Memphis is their competition there, too. I mean, that's the thing we're seeing in this class is Memphis is going to be a pain in their butt, and we have to really pay attention here if that number one recruiting class at Memphis comes out of the gate and just whoops everybody's butt and they're awesome, yeah. and Penny yeah. proves he can coach those guys, then Memphis becomes a major problem. And, and he's of note yeah. with Terrence Clark. Uh, I meant to mention this. Apparently, uh, Penny Hardaway, he has been quoted, Terrence has been quoted saying that Penny is really pushing to him, you can be a guard. Not I was going to say. I'd be a 6-7 point guard like I was. I knew uh, Penny And that'll would, get you to the NBA. I knew Penny would say that, yeah. Well, I get, that's all the time we got for today, actually. We're right up against the, the time limit here. But uh, did you, you want to say one more thing? No, I was just going to say, uh, you know, I'm not sure I buy that <laughs> with Terrence Clark that no, he can be that, but he's not you would expect Penny to sell that. Um, but yes, I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. He is okay. Kyle Mann. You can follow him. At J. Kyle Mann uh, on Twitter as well. That's where I reside. And uh, check him out on his YouTube channels on The Ringer and also on his own, uh, The Dime Drop. He has great work there. And we will uh, we'll be back. we got, uh, what, two more episodes this week. We'll talk some more football. We'll set the stage for the game coming up on Saturday. Thanks for listening. Uh, like us, rate us, subscribe, review. Please like us. Yes, please. We, we, <laughs> please, like please applaud. <laughs> please, <laughs> please applaud. Please clap. All right. Thanks, you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Later. You are Locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked on. Don't worry. I won't finish. You get the idea.